Live from the Great White North, this is the Canadian Investor, where you take control of your own portfolio and gain the confidence you need to succeed in the markets. Hosted by Braden Dennis and Simon Belanger. The Canadian Investor Pod. I'm Braden Dennis, as always, joined by my co-host, Simon Belanger. How's it going, Simon? Oh, it's going well. I mean, uh, you're getting better at saying my name now. We're, uh, I think we're just going to have to record that and just replay it over and over on a loop. It's because we have the Skype video on, so now uh, now we have the chemistry going again. There you go. There you go. Feels good. <laughs> so, fun, fun story for you. I biked to and from the office, and I just biked home, and I saw a guy with the TFI International, like the trucking company, he was wearing the bright yellow like safety vest and he was just driving a regular van and inside of the van, he, I don't think one more package in cardboard boxes could have possibly fit inside of the, uh, of the van as he was at the front door dropping off an Amazon package and as a shareholder, this is the stuff that I love. Like boots on the ground seeing some of these companies because you got to know what you own. And there is so much tailwinds in last mile delivery, and that's why I own the stock. And that just felt really good, man. So I, I, I know you probably feel the same way when you see some businesses you own doing well. What you can see with their own eyes. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's always fun when you're, you're an owner and you, you know that, uh, you know, the what you're seeing is definitely coming back to you in some form or fashion at some point so it's always nice to see because this guy had like hundreds of these little packages in his own van <laughs> it was it was great to see um today we're talking index investing through etfs a little bit some more niche etfs where to park cash I will kick it off. We're t when, we're, when I'm talking about these ETFs, there's something very, very important that I want to explain first. Is I might, for each geographical region with an index fund, like Canada, for instance, if I tell you two ETFs and they have the same management fee and they have the same holdings, or even if the management fee is slightly different, it does not mean that one is significantly better than the other because next year maybe BlackRock will have the cheaper one and Vanguard will be lagging by, by one basis point. Like it is such a small difference. So do not split hairs if you own one and now the Vanguard one's cheaper. Like don't go into your brokerage account and sell it because it's not going to make any material difference at all. So now that that's out of the way, this is like the MVPs of index investing because it irks me when I see index investors or ETFs, uh, ETF users buying high management fee index ETFs from, you know, whatever it may be that their advisor is giving them because their advisors might be incentivized in ways that you don't know about to give you a high management fee ETF. And that, uh, that makes me very frustrated. So without further delay, the MVP, in my opinion, of the geographical region of Canada 
is the iShares Core S&P TSX capped ticker XIC. It has a management fee of 0.06 and has 230 holdings. It's obviously market cap weighted. So this is going to own 230 companies in Canada. Um, This is Canada's best known index. Alternatively, if you own the Vanguard version VCN, it's 200 holdings at the exact same management fee. Since it's market cap weighted, that is completely apples to apples. So your, your, your best options are VCN and XIC. Moving on below south of the border in the U.S., the ETF that I personally like and I have always held when I'm owning the broader U.S. market is BlackRock's iShares Core S&P Total Market Index, ticker XUU. Um, and this holds like thousands of U.S. companies with a management fee of 0.07%. If you want to just go with just the S&P, Vanguard's VFV for nine basis points, a.k.a. 0.09, is going to track the S&P 500 for very, very cheap in Canadian dollars, by the way. These are all actually in Canadian dollars. Internationally, uh, the one that I typically use is XEF. This is broad coverage of Europe, Japan, and Australia, and this is, again, the iShares one. I am completely agnostic to who distributes the ETF. If it's Vanguard or BlackRock, I could care less. If they're giving me broad index exposure for the cheapest fee, great. So that is ticker XEF, thousands of stocks to be exact, 2,654 stocks. That is ticker XEF. You're going to get international exposure, but not emerging markets. Now, if you want to combine that internationally with emerging markets stocks, Vanguard's ticker VEE, the Emerging Markets All Cap Index, has over 5,000 stocks for 0.24% from Vanguard. It has Chinese weighting, Indian weighting, Brazilian weighting, and more. Over 50% of that will be in China. And you're going to get exposure to emerging markets. And for, for 24 basis points, this is the way to do it, in my opinion. So you can get global, international, like without North American exposure with XEF and VEE combined. Now, if you want to keep it simple, you can combine XEF and VEE by just owning iShares all country except Canada, ticker XAW, for, again, 22 basis points again. Almost 9,000 stocks for a really, really cheap price. So say you just own Canadian stocks and you're like, wow, I really need some international exposure. With one click of a button, XAW is going to give you 9,000 holdings. So very, very diversified for a pretty cheap fee. Um, and if you are an index investor... These are these are gold. All right, let's talk bond indexes. One second while I go to sleep really quick. But the best option, well, it's it's a tie, really. BMO has a ticker ZAG, ZAG, for eight basis points. 
or Vanguard has VAB also for nine basis points, or I guess Zag is eight basis points. That's that's a clear winner. That is the clear winner. Okay, Zag, BMO, 952 bond holdings for eight basis points. If you want fixed income bonds to stabilize your portfolio, there you go. Now, if I posted this podcast on Reddit Personal Finance Canada and I didn't mention Vanguard's growth ETF portfolio, VGrow, they'd be like throwing stuff at me uh, because everyone seems to be obsessed with it. It basically owns 80% stocks globally and 20% bonds. So the idea is that you just own this one ETF and you just buy it and dollar cost average it and keep holding it. Sure, if that's what you want to do, VGrow, you're going to pay up a little bit, 25 basis points on the MER, save you a bunch of transaction fees if you're with a bank and it costs you money for each transaction fee. Go for it. I'd rather be in 100% stocks. But again, it's completely up to what your risk tolerance is. So again, I just threw a bunch of tickers at you, but these are the ETFs that have the lowest fees possible for broad-based diversification, instant diversification of hundreds, if not thousands of stocks, not only in Canada, but also internationally. So Simon, if you want to get more granular and say, I don't want to own just all of the S&P or thousands of international stocks, I'm really bullish on one particular sector. There are sector-based ETFs. I'm a fan of them. You're a fan of them as long as the management fee is reasonable. Uh, what are some that you're looking at these days? Uh, yeah, exactly. So um, it's a great way to invest in a sector or country or a trend that you're not necessarily super familiar with and you might not want to go into detail and learn and select individual companies, but it allows you to get uh, part of that of that potential growth that you could see in. Um, so before I get into those, an easy way if you guys are looking for some ideas for ETF, I find that ETFDB.com is a good place to just get some ideas if you're not sure and uh, to if you're looking for specific sectors and things like that, it'll actually let you to um, it'll allow you to sort by um, the expense ratio, which is always great for a specific sector. So you can always start there if you're looking for the some ideas. I do that myself, and then just sort it by expense ratio. That's the easiest way. Um, but uh, three, there's three ETFs I identified that are interesting plays right now. Um, the first one, um, you guys might f- be familiar with QQQ. PowerShares uh, Invesco Technology ETF, so that is for the U.S. sector. I believe it follows the NASDAQ um, in terms of holdings, but there's uh, one that's a bit lesser known, and it's uh, ticker CQQQ. It is traded in the U.S., so it's not uh, Canadian traded. It's the Invesco China Technology ETF. So for those of you that think China has a lot of room to expand uh, the, their technology sector, um, that is an interesting play um, without having to select specific companies. The expense ratio is a bit higher. It's 0.70. Um, so not quite, uh, you know, it's below 1%, so it's good. And um, it's not unusual to see 0.50 or 0.70%. Uh, 
in those type of ETFs that are more focused on a sector, more focused on a trend, because oftentimes there'll be a bit more um, a bit more involvement in uh, in those type of ETFs by the uh, the fund managers. So uh, that's why they're a bit higher in terms of fees compared to what Braden just mentioned. Um, so the Invesco China Technology ETF uh, for that one, for example, so it has Tencent, it has uh, Meituan Dianping. So that's a uh, online shopping platform that I was not very familiar with, Baidu and a bunch of other holdings. So it's a great way to do that China play. Again, I think we've mentioned it before, um, China, there's sometimes the transparency is not always there. So even if you're investing in that ETF, be aware that, you know, the accounting principles and the uh, transparency is not the same in China than it is in the U.S. Um, or Canada, obviously. Uh, the second one, I know we've had people uh, talking about cybersecurity and some of the questions that we've had. So one interesting one, and there's a few of them, is uh, IHAC. So it's uh, I-H-A-K. So I share cybersecurity and technology ETF. Uh, so this one, the uh, expense ratio is not too bad, is 0.47%. So it's definitely reasonable for a kind of a specific ETF. Um, it has a, I don't have the amount of holding, I'm looking at the fact sheet right now, but it has a decent amount of holdings as well. Um, and then some of the uh, most prominent holdings, you'll see CrowdStrikes, uh, you'll see DocuSign, obviously that's kind of cybersecurity if you stretch it a little bit, but there are some interesting plays in there. Palo Alto Networks, uh, just some names I kind of recognize, Otka as well. Um, so that's an interesting one. Um, the last one I wanted to mention is PBE, Invesco Dynamic Biotech and Genome ETF. The reason why I wanted to mention that one is I think there's uh, it's kind of the way of the future. Um, this one is 0.57 expense ratio. So again, uh, not as low as the uh, broad market uh, base index funds that uh, Braden was talking about, but still reasonable. It has 30 holdings. And if you really don't know too much about this sector, and I'll admit I am one of those people, then it is an interesting ETF if you want uh, a play in those. But this one is probably going to be very volatile just by the sheer amount of holdings because there's only 30 holdings and it's a sector that is super volatile so just you know be aware of that but that is a way to to play that trend um, so those are the uh, the three that i identified that are obviously different than the broad uh, market index etf there's one thing that i'd like your opinion on i know we share an opinion on this is why would someone go ahead and own something like CQQQ, the Chinese technology ETF, versus going on to the prospectus? By the way, that's another fun fact. Is a great way to find out companies in these secular trends is go on the prospectus, the fact sheet of these ETFs, look at the top 10 holdings, they have to list them, and see what's inside of it and do some research from there because there might be some names that you like owning separately. So that brings me back to my question. If I'm looking at that Chinese ETF, since it's market cap weighted, we're going to have a lot of Tencent, a lot of JD.com, a lot of Alibaba, for instance. What would be the advantage of owning just the simple Chinese 
tech ETF, paying that management fee versus, you know, picking the top three holdings. Is there is there upside you see from from holding a bigger basket? Uh, yeah, I think there is. Um, I'm, obviously, there could be upside if you just pick, you select your stock. I mean, there's a few reasons why you'd want to select an ETF like that. First of all, you don't want to take the time to necessarily do the research and keep track of a specific company. Um, it's a market also that you're not as familiar with. So it'll be able to give you, even if it's some of their smaller holdings. So I'm looking at the CQQ Q right now, and Tencent is 10%. Well, there's companies that are 2-3% or lower, and these companies could really blow up and affect your returns, and you have never would have invested in them without this ETF because you didn't know anything about them. So it does give you a bit more, obviously, diversification and upside in that matter, but it's, it's a good thing because not everyone has time to research companies and go into the detail like uh, Braden and I will do for the different companies that we invest in. So for me, it's kind of a personal decision to, to do and just be honest with yourself do you have the time to stay on top of your holdings if you don't if you have a limited amount of time then etf strategy is probably the best thing for you yeah you nailed that i mean the time one for sure that's why we list these broad-based index etfs is one you don't have the interest uh the, the care or you're just happy with plugging away on these broad-based index funds which have performed through time exceptionally well that market return has beat many many professional mutual fund managers over time so that's 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 one and yeah the upside of that two percent holding is so high even if it is such a small percentage of the bigger fund if that two percent holdings a 10 bagger it's going to drive impressive impressive returns and it's going to be buying more of it as it grows because they kind of are forced to since it's market cap weighted as these companies, these smaller ones have these great rises, the ETFs going to be buying them in. It's going to be buying more and more of it um, as it rises and can become more important in terms of it, the, the fund's returns because it is market cap weighted. And this is why we saw... I've, I really thought the Tesla would not come back into this podcast, but here it is. This is why we saw S&P, Standard & Poor's, say, we're not bringing Tesla into the, into the S&P 500. We don't care that it's over $300 billion in market cap and that it has had four profitable quarters and probably should be in the index. It's too volatile um, to be in there, right? So these these are the kinds of things so as as these indexes are made there are certain decisions that are made if it's like for instance standard poor's they decide who goes in and out of the index so you're getting that you're getting a slight ma- free management almost in terms of uh prudent allocation of, of those funds you know what we should do is every time we're about to mention tesla just say like uh you know the movie old school earmuffs <laughs> that's, so a, people that's a hilarious know. movie by the way <laughs> so people will know that we're about to talk about tesla and they just get muted yeah. for the next minute or so frank the tank <laughs> yeah exactly must. i should rewatch that yeah it's a good it's quarantine funny. movie it, it's a great flick so th- those are some those are some etfs that you can look at you know as a rule 
as they get more niche, you're going to pay a higher management fee. But if you strongly believe of some secular trend, like you mentioned cybersecurity, or I'm sure there's one on payments, I should probably just own that ETF at this point. Um, there are. I, I looked I'm, sure that, I'm sure there is. But, you know, I, I've, I've already handpicked a few out of there, as you know. So there are ways to play it. You go, you go I don't know who's going to be the winner here, but I know that this total addressable market is not only massive right now, but is, is currently untapped. It's going to grow. And even if company X doesn't win most of that pie, the pie is so appetizing that the returns as a group are going to be really good. Even if one of them sucks, the returns of the group might be incredible. And that's, that's why you'd own something like that. Yeah, exactly. And I would say as a general rule of thumb, if you're looking for more specific ETFs, um, I would disregard anything above 1%, um, you know, close to 1%, I guess, if there's not much choice in that type of niche ETF. But like you guys saw, I think if you're staying around 0.5, 0.7, I think that's reasonable for a bit more of a niche uh, ETF. And if you are a Questrade user, you can buy these things for free. ETFs are free to buy. Pay to see, pay four ninety nine to sell them, but you're free to buy. So if you don't have an account and you sign up and you use code SI fifty, you're gonna get fifty dollars in free trade commission, and you support Simon and I. So that is ticker, not ticker. <laughs> I just said ticker. That is code SI for Stratosphere Investing, and then fifty for fifty in free trade commission. Um. So that's a huge plus. You know, you get you get to buy those, you get to dollar cost average into these into these index ETFs or, or, or niche ETFs. If someone tells me they are like what what some people call like the couch potato investor and that they own just like one or two broad based ETFs and call it a day, add to it every quarter, add to it every year, whatever it is, I love that. I absolutely love that because you're going to stay the course. You're not going to make too many trades. You're going to not freak out when the market drops because you understand you have thousands of holdings and that no one of them failing is not going to make any difference um, in, the, in the grand scheme of things. So I, I love that. Um, speaking of asset allocation, um, which a lot of this show has been about, a lot of people are holding a lot of cash. There's no question. We've seen saving rates go up. Uh, saving rates are at an all-time high uh, despite a pandemic. Uh, you know, definitely some stimulus has been a part of that. So, Simon, if I'm holding a bunch of cash uh, and I don't want to invest there for some reason, I'm saving for some shiny new toy or maybe a house or what, whatever it may be. doesn't matter. Um What's a good way to hold cash? And we've talked about this before, but it's it's always changing, and especially with interest rates dropping off a cliff, you know, you might not be getting those those high saving rates, uh, high interest saving rates accounts. So I'm I'm interested to see a little update on this. Yeah, so there there are options where you can get a decent, like I mean, these. Well, you'll see what I mean by decent return. <laughs> decent asterisks. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it, it's not great, but it's better than getting zero, and it's better than giving that money to uh, to a bank that barely gives you any interest whatsoever. So I think what you need to ask yourself, first of all, is how quickly do you need that cash? Do you want it to be extremely liquid and available right now? If that's the case, then I'll just go down some of the options. And if you do, don't need it like right now, say, for example, um, you're about to retire in about five years, so you're just building a cash portfolio to give yourself a, a cushion and you know that you won't need the money immediately this year or next but maybe in the next three to five years so there's other options that could offer um, be available for you in that case but if you need the cash right now best example of that is like say you want a little cash on the sideline as ammunition in case of uh, you know a company you're looking at you're just hoping to get a pullback to start a position or if you need an emergency fund. Um, as a side note, um, I'm super glad I had a good emergency fund uh, because we just bought a house earlier this year. And if we didn't have a good emergency fund, I probably would have had to uh, sell some stocks because uh, we uh, had a lot of unexpected expenses uh, come up with the new house. So just to give you guys an idea of why you want an emergency fund. Uh, yeah, go ahead, Brayden. No, I was going to say, Dude, congrats! You're a you're an adult. Look yeah, at you exactly. go. Look at you go. I mean, I would have it would have been too bad, especially if I would have been stuck to sell stock in March, for example. And if you don't have an emergency fund, sometimes you just don't have a choice and sell, and you don't pick the time. So you have to keep that in mind. Um, and, and that is that is that the inherent return? I mean, people talk about how cash doesn't have a return, and and I think that's complete garbage because look at the inherent return. On the cash you you were able to use instead of selling something in March, you were able to just hold or buy more. And if you followed the stock market or haven't been asleep for the last six months, you've known that if you bought in March, you made a lot of money on pretty much anything you bought, some more than others for sure. Um, but that's the kind of inherent return and the power of having cash so I, I think that's an important point yeah and it's even more true right now because whatever you know no one can predict what the next six months to a year to two years will hold we're in unprecedented times right now so you know you don't know what can happen you might think you have job security but you know you might not in six months so that's it's especially like it's always true to have an emergency fund but i think it's even more true right now um, so let's just say if you're looking for something very liquid, your best option is probably going to be just to put that money in a savings account. Um, the first thing you'll want to make sure, especially if you're not going with one of the big banks, and I recommend not going with one of the big banks if you're using a savings account, uh, but make sure they're CDIC insured. So CDIC is the Canadian Deposit Insurance Corporation. Uh, you can just go to CDIC.ca. You can look whatever financial institution on their website and they'll, they'll let you know if it's insured. And if it's insured, you'll be insured for your deposit up to $100,000 by the Canadian government so that is the absolute safety right now right there um, definitely check if you're not familiar with the financial institution uh, just because some of them that you might not be familiar with are some of those that will offer the best interest rates and a lot of them are insured by the CDIC 
Um, so a few that you may want to consider. So I just pulled some rates. Um, so I personally have my uh, savings account with Motive Financial. Uh, they currently offer 1.75% on their savings account. Um, it's actually a division of Canadian Western Bank. Uh, people might be familiar with that a bit more. Um, so they are CDIC insured. Uh, EQ uh, Bank Savings account as well offers 1.70. I know, Braden, you're familiar with that one. Um, I think, are you a shareholder of that one? Uh, EQ? Uh, I've been a shareholder of Equitable Group, the, the owner of yeah. EQ Bank, yeah, yeah. since the collapse of the stock prices of Home Capital Group and Equitable Bank or equitable group in that case. Uh, Home Capital had the, the fraudulent book, and their stock dove 50% in two trading days, and so did their biggest competitor, Equitable Bank. And that was one of my best trades ever because now all of a sudden your competitor is in deep trouble. Your, your number one competitor is in deep trouble, and because of that, the entire group got sold off because of a problem with the leader, in that case, Home Capital. What an opportunity to, to, go, to, to grab that because, I mean, obviously your competitor is in trouble and your stock price just fell 50% for no real inherent reason other than as a group, they all fell 50% in you know, the matter of 48 hours. So I'm patting myself on the back. That was a pretty good trade. Yeah, well done. Well done. Um, so, yeah, all that to say, you can get decent interest rates with those type of uh, financial institutions. For the most part, they'll be online banks. But, I mean, I'm with Motive. I'm with Tangerine as well. And Tangerine, uh, I'll just put an asterisk next to them. Um, they tend to have promotional rates that only last for a few months. And then the interest rates drops way, way down. So um, you may see higher rates, but in reality, it's only for a limited a time amount of time. And then after a certain amount of time, you just kind of drop to pretty low rates. So keep that in mind. Um, I only have my uh, checking account with Tangerine, but my savings account is with Motive Financial. But if you do some digging, you should be able to find at least 1.5%. Um, and trust me, if you have like a good amount, a good a sizable amount of cash for your emergency fund, uh, let's say you have like 10, 15, 20,000, depending on what your income is, uh, you might require that big of an emergency fund. That one 0.5% makes a big difference, especially when you compare it to the uh, the big Canadian banks, the traditional ones. Um, they offer like 0.2%, 0.1%. It's ridiculous, the, uh, the interest that you get. Um, so like, I understand it, it's a bit of a pain to create a new account somewhere, but it's not that difficult when you do it online. It takes you maybe... 15 20 minutes they have to verify you that takes a few days and then you're good to go so if you're willing to put in the work and keep in mind like if you have if you have a ten thousand dollars that's 150 bucks a year potentially more that uh, you're kind of making on that money versus barely getting any interest so that is that's something I would recommend. It's very liquid, so it gives you flexibility. You get that emergency or you want to pull the trigger and buy a certain stock. The cash is right there available for you. Um, another option, if you have a trading account and you can't put it in a savings account within your trading account, um, there's PSA.to, and that's just a money market fund. And essentially, it'll give you 06 
zero uh, percent yield so 60 uh, basis points it's not that high but it's better than most trading accounts will give you the only thing with those is they're not insured by the cidc so just keep that in mind uh, when you invest in that it's not as safe as the um, the savings account um, i've had money in psa.to before um, it's fine i have not had any issues with it um, and then if you're in the category where you want to uh, let's say you're close to retirement or you're retired and you want to keep a cash cushion of uh, say five years then gic might be an interesting option for you uh, gic again it's guaranteed by the federal government and the gic's itself they won't give you super high percentage but there is one type of GIC that actually gives you like some upside so they're market linked GICs uh Brayden have you ever heard of those a market linked GIC yeah so it's uh I'm gonna say no just by your your reaction on the video no see the video is good man it's good stuff (laughs) um no just because I don't think it's something I would have ever been in the market for no pun intended but uh oh, no, yeah, <laughs> yeah well, give me give me no it is available yeah so um that's something i looked into for my parents because my parents are retired and i want to keep them a five-year cash cushion and um it's really i mean you don't like as i just mentioned you know you're not getting great returns whatever option you're looking at so the market link gic will usually link your returns with uh, the stock market so it could be the it'll tell you what the stock market or what index they're looking at. So it could be like, you know, the Canadian banks index could be the TSX index, utility index, like all these. And what they will do is they will guarantee you a basic return. It will be very low. It might be like one percent per year or something like that or zero point five percent per year. But they'll also give you some upside. So depending on the market link GIC, some of them you could get up to 25, 30% for a five-year GIC, depending on how the index does. So what they do is pretty simple. They'll give you that base interest. So let's just say 1%. So if the market tanks in those five years or the index tanks, um, you'll get you'll get your capital so your you know your uh, your principal plus that one percent for those five years um but if the market or the index goes up 30 percent in those five years um you could get up to 30 percent depending on what the cap is so the cap those usually going to be a cap i've seen 15 20 25 30 percent uh the cap will be higher if the time period is higher uh but for five years for example if you have a 20 percent cap and in that five-year period the index goes up 30 percent well they'll actually give you the 20 percent worth of interest for those five years so it won't be 20 percent per year but it'll still be 20 percent for those five years which is way better than you would have gotten with pretty much anything within that period that's guaranteed right especially in this environment oh yeah definitely yeah, exactly. I mean, you might think, say, the, the market's overvalued and whatnot. You know, maybe it is, it, you know, for traditional metrics, there might not be that much upside, but at least you got some upside and you have, you know, the guaranteed money that your principal will stay intact. You have a small percent that you're guaranteed to have and then you have that upside. So if you're you're retired or you're close to retirement and you really need to start decumulating, um, that is something that you could do and you can even kind of stagger it so you get a GIC that maybe expires in three years one in five and then you kind of stagger them 
them like that. So you have money coming in on a regular interval. Well, Simon, you just, I try to learn something most days and you just told me about a new financial instrument I've never heard of. So there you go. Before we wrap this show up, we've been talking about personal finance and and ETFs, um, which are important, but uh, let's talk stocks for one moment. What is on your radar right now? What's on the watch list? Something you're really excited about? Just, just, Just one stock. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm going to have to go back to the last stock I pitched, if I remember correctly, was uh, Axon. Yeah, Axon. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I did some more research on them. And you know what? I think I'm probably going to be starting a position the next uh, couple of weeks here. The more I do research, the more um, their business model is really interesting. They really have solid management. Uh, they have really actually a quite diverse uh, board of director as well. I was surprised how um, so there's women, there's people of different backgrounds in there. Um, so it's really interesting to see. And really the... The CEO says all the right things and has been saying the right things for years and years. Um, and he really wants to help the world use non-lethal force and help transparency for law enforcement as a whole. Um, and I think that's a good thing in the environment uh, we're living in, in terms of my personal beliefs. But uh, their revenue have been exploding uh, pretty much like 25% a year. And they're kind of flying under the radar. Like no one... People don't really talk about them and their um, their SaaS business has grown from being about like 5% of their total revenue to 25% recently and it's growing at a really quick uh, clip per year. So yeah, that's the, that's the one I'm, uh, I'm considering uh, starting a position soon. Look at this. You are a prudent investor because you've been talking about researching this company for how long now? Like a couple months it's been on your radar? And it is a really good business because it does fly under the radar because people think it's just a hardware company when the explosive growth on the SaaS business and that really, really high retention rate are all the makings of a really, really good software business. So, so that is good. Uh, one on my radar, which is, you know, always, you know, continues to be one of my favorite stocks out there is Autodesk. They made a really, really successful transition from the licensing model to the software as a service in the cloud. It took a couple of years for them to figure that model out, but now that it has happened, we're seeing really, really nice acceleration on the top line, really high margins, and it is a monopoly. I'll even throw another one out you at you. I am looking more and more into Match Group, obviously the, the holding company of Tinder, Hinge, Match.com, and... Uh, plethora of other dating apps i found it very interesting on their latest call and their latest uh, investor presentation their success in monetization um, and conversion rates to paying customers because i think that's always been their problem is they have this massive massive user base um probably the largest user base of a company that's less than 100 billion in market cap i would think and they're seeing an increase in conversion rate to paying customers and the monetization of, of their users. I'm very interested because I think this is one that has not only lots of room to grow, but is going to be accelerating both revenue and net, net income from here. Uh, can I put you on this Yeah, spot? go for it. <laughs> Are you single right now, Brian? 
Um, <laughs> depends who's listening. No, I'm just kidding. I, uh, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> okay, okay. I was like, oh, you, I was going to ask if you're using Tinder right now. I mean, I've used it in the past. And is there anything competing yeah, there's, Tinder? there's, there's, like Bumble yeah, there's, or? there's, there's Bumble. And then the big one that, you know, most of my age group is using is called Hinge, which is explosive growth right now. Um, and it's owned by match. So the biggest up and comer, and this is kind of why I really like match is the biggest up and comer is also one of their products. So it's really hard to not like it from here. I mean, this is just kind of the way of the future, whether people like it or not. I know it's weird, but it is what it is. And uh, I I think I think revenue monetizable monetizable users uh, margins and net income are going to be accelerating from here. Well, that does it this week, guys. Thank you so much for listening. As always, getstockmarket.com. Another administrative note, stratosphere2.com, the 10-day beta test happened, and I just gave you guys all the URL. So if you want to go, you can sign up for 10 days free of cost. The tools available like, are really really powerful. I'm really happy with it. I'm really proud of it. So stratosphere2.com is the temporary domain. You guys can go on there. No credit card required. It's completely free for the next 10 days. Um, and, and join the beta test. You can send me a message. Uh, it's not perfect. I have things to fix, but you guys will be, you guys will be pretty surprised at how powerful it is and, and how good the tools are. There's a stock screener. You can look up financial statements on a 10 year basis, ratios, insider information, a plethora of information for every single ticker in the world, not just Canadian stocks. We got every ticker, uh, listed. It's pretty, it's pretty damn cool. Simon, after this, I got to send you the link. You got You got to look. I, I put it online last night. It's pretty, it's pretty damn cool and very, very powerful. So I'm, I'm excited for what you guys uh, can make of it. I mean, anything you want in terms of research, in terms of making a decision, this is going to be the gateway for investors. And I'm really, really happy with it. I don't know if you were waiting for me. <laughs> you looked at me like I, I don't know. Let's in keep that. Let's keep that. I like that. I just stared at you in the in the Skype call and that was that was interesting. Uh, no, it's uh you were drinking water. I'll, uh, I'll jokes apart. It's a, it's a definitely a cool site. He showed it to me with the functionality, so I'm excited to try it on my own and uh, just kind of navigate around see uh, see how it looks i know you put a lot of work into that so a couple hours to, uh, to see a couple that. hours yeah for sure all right guys we will see you guys next week thank you for listening bye-bye the canadian investor is not to be taken as investment advice Braden or simon may own securities mentioned on this podcast always make sure to do your own research and due diligence before making investment decisions